Well, good morning, church. Well, today is Ascension Sunday, uh, the day we remember uh, Jesus ascending into heaven. Um, what a fantastic day, Rick. Um, just on, on a personal note, just for those of you, if you if you have a if you have a family member pass away or uh, or hardship comes, you have a pastor to run to, and then when your pastor has a hardship, it's just a lot of weight. He's got big shoulders. He's a good man, but you're in our prayers today. Um. But Ascension Sunday is the day that we remember Jesus ascending into heaven after his resurrection. It's foundational to Christian belief and it's foundational to our theology. And today we celebrate that milestone. And remember that Jesus ascended into heaven and it's so foundational to our faith that both the Nicene and the Apostles' Creed speak about it. And the Nicene Creed says he ascended into heaven and he's seated at the right hand of the Father. And in the Apostles' Creed, it says he ascended into heaven and sitteth at the right hand of God, the Father Almighty. And so these two ancient creeds have been recited by Christians throughout the world since the fourth century. And they highlight the real truth that Jesus is not dead. But he's alive and he's currently reigning in heaven. Not he did reign, not he will reign, he is currently reigning. Amen? This fact is a milestone of our faith. So imagine being one of the disciples that witnessed the ascension of Jesus recorded in the Gospel of Luke and the opening passages of Acts. The Luke scripture reads, then Jesus led them out as far as Bethany and lifting up his hands, he blessed them. While he was blessing them, he withdrew from them and was carried up into heaven and they worshiped him and returned to Jerusalem with great joy and they were continually in the temple blessing God. And in Acts, it further says that while he was going and they were gazing up toward heaven, suddenly two men in white robes stood by them and they said, men of Galilee, Why do you stand looking up toward heaven? This Jesus who has been taken up from you into heaven will come in the same way as you saw him go into heaven. Now imagine the roller coaster ride the disciples have just been on. So they celebrated Passover, the Last Supper with Jesus. And then there's the crucifixion. And then three days later, the resurrection of Jesus, and then 40 days, Jesus appears to various disciples individually and as a group, and now 40 days after the resurrection, Jesus tells the disciples that he's ascending into heaven and to wait for the promised Holy Spirit, Pentecost, which we're going to talk about next week. Now they're standing on the mountain looking up into heaven as he disappears from their sight. When all of a sudden, two men, angels, appear and they say, Men of Galilee, why do you stand looking up toward heaven? And that's when Peter says, and I paraphrase, "Um, Did you just see what happened? It's not every day you see someone go up into heaven. It's possible that it's the same two angels that were 
in the tomb on Easter. Remember in Luke when the women came to the tomb and they see two men and they say, why are you looking for the living amongst the dead? So the disciples are standing there as Jesus disappears from their sight. And now what are they supposed to do? Ever had Jesus seemingly just disappear from your sight? What do you do? What did the disciples do? We wait. That's what Jesus told his disciples to do. Wait. Wait for the Spirit to come. When the Spirit come, when the Spirit comes is when the real work begins. Going all the way back to Moses and the children of Israel, when you're wandering around the desert and it's hot and the conditions are sticky and they're not ideal and the housing is temporary and everyone's living in transition from slave to free man, depending on God's provision for daily bread, Jesus tells his disciples that they are to be witnesses to testify in Jerusalem and Judea and Samaria and the entire world. See, it's when the children of Israel are wandering around the desert, that's when God's provision was present. Now, his provision was always present, but when they went into the promised land, that's when the work began. He tells his disciples the same thing. Wait for the Spirit. And when the Spirit comes, that's when the work begins. And when he tells them to be a witness... He tells his disciples there to be witnesses to testify in Jerusalem, Judea, and Samaria, and the entire world. A witness is simply someone called upon to testify about something they've seen or observed. A witness is called upon to endorse or attest to or corroborate the evidence or the proof of something. And that's our calling to wait and to proclaim to attest and to endorse the story of God in every way that we have seen and observed it intersect our lives and our story. The angels tell the disciples that one day Jesus will return just like he left. So we, the church, we live in this in-between and we live in the in-between, the time of the first and the second coming. What is our calling in this in-between time? What is the calling of all of Jesus' disciples who live in the time between? As we press toward the milestones that are ahead of us. Most of the Apostle Paul's writing to the early church have to deal with this pressing on. These letters which live in the New Testament form the basis for how the church is supposed to act, to live, and to believe And in our scripture today, Paul is very real, and he gives us a very real and authentic vision for the life of a disciple living in the here and the now, in the in-between. And he says, not that I've already obtained this or have already reached the goal. So let's break this down a minute. Paul is very clear that what he's about to say is ideal, But he even says that he himself has yet to obtain or reach what he's about to say. 
He says, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. Paul's saying, although I have yet to obtain or to reach this goal, it's no excuse to tap out. I won't tap out. I'll press to make this goal my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own through adoption. Jesus didn't tap out but went all the way to his death on my behalf and thus made my adoption complete. And therefore, since I am his and he is mine, I will press on. I don't know your story but I identify with these words of Paul. I identify with them deeply because I don't know what you've come out of, but I can tell you for myself, those forgiven much, love much. He says, beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the high calling of God in Christ. And this is our calling, to grow in grace and holiness and to become complete in Jesus and to be with Jesus in his resurrection. Now, not in eternity, but now to be with him in his resurrection. As Paul said earlier, nothing else matters. This is the foundation of your life, or it's not. But only one is Christian theology. Paul had just stated that everything else in life doesn't really matter. All that matters is this, to know Jesus. Everything else is trash compared to this. If Paul gained the whole world and didn't have Jesus, then he lost everything. However, if Paul gained Jesus and lost everything else, then he knew he had everything. Nothing else really matters except this one thing, to know Jesus and to be known by him. As a matter of fact, if we back up in verse 10 and 11 of our scripture this morning, Paul goes so far as to say, I want to know Christ and the power of his resurrection and the sharing of his sufferings by becoming like him in death. If if somehow I may obtain the resurrection from the dead. So Paul is under no false illusion or prosperity gospel that makes promises of health and wealth with no suffering and surrender on the part of the convert. Our focus as followers and disciples of Jesus should be on our intimacy and our growth with Jesus. And Paul is reminding us that we're called to do whatever it takes to hold on to this prize, this life with Jesus. Paul uses the the metaphor of a contest or a race to describe the journey of faith. A runner has to keep a, a laser focus on the goal. Paul actually mixes his metaphor here a little bit when he says he's pressing on toward the prize. It comes more from the world of hunting. He's pursuing or chasing or hunting down intimacy with and growing with Jesus. 
Now can you see the intensity of Paul's words? The Greek word for goal is the actual goal post at the end of a race. The goal post or the goal marker is the milestone. This is the only time in the New Testament where this Greek word is used and Paul is running with all of his might. Not thinking about the runners behind him. Not worrying about the past. But focusing on the future. Focusing on the goal post that marks the end of the run. Knowing that when he reaches the goal, he gets the prize. And for Paul and for us, our faith and our life here on earth is a continual journey to know Jesus in a much deeper and a more intimate way. That's the milestone that is constantly ahead of us. To know Jesus in a deeper way. To pursue him with abandon and passion above all else. Earlier in Philippians, Paul reminds the church not to run in vain. He says, it's by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. Running in vain is running with a participator's medal in mind. You participated in the race, but not really to win. Not to be more intimate with Christ or to grow deeper or win the gold of his presence, but rather just to get the t-shirt or call myself a participator in the Christian life. You can keep the life. You can keep the fish emblem. You can keep the bumper sticker. You can keep the attendance record. You can keep the plaque on the wall and you can keep the brass nameplate on the donated piano. I want Jesus this morning. That's what I want. And if I can't have him, then I want out. I want Jesus. Ministry is exhausting, and it's not the same thing as being in his presence or sitting at his feet. Nothing compares to worshiping him with abandon. Nothing. And nothing in this life makes me feel more normal than, I'm when, than when I'm with Jesus doing life together. And if that's foreign to you or if that's a concept you can't even imagine, then I'm sorry and I repent to you as a minister that I have ever made or preached a gospel that is anything less than that. If you're pursuing Jesus above all else, then you won't run this race in vain. However, the opposite is true. If you aren't pursuing Jesus, then your running is indeed in vain. This is a core truth and a tenet of our faith as Christians and it's foundational to our heritage as Methodists. We are on a journey of faith. John Wesley wrote about this journey from being an unbeliever to a fully formed, mature disciple. And Wesley's metaphor was a house of grace. And this is a picture of my ideal house. And our journey begins with a front porch or a provenient or preventing grace 
or preparing grace. And it moves us to the door or the entryway, which is justifying or saving grace, which ends with the rest of the house or sanctifying grace. And on a journey of faith, too often we stop at the entryway and we say to ourselves, I'm saved, I just need to show up on Christmas and Easter and I'm good. But hear me, church, without the striving after holiness, sanctification, then we don't truly have a saving faith in God. Now hear me closely. Good works do not save us. Rather, they are evidence of our salvation. And our journey must include a heart that loves as God loves. God's love is holy, it's pure, it's purifying, it's convicting, and it's gracious. We are to be constantly pressing on to reach the prize in Jesus Christ. So I want us to read this scripture again. It says, not that I've already obtained this or have already reached the goal. So maybe we're not there yet. But I press on to make it my own. Because Christ Jesus has made me his own. That's, that's the reason I press on. It's not all the stuff. It's not this building. It's not these pews, this piano. The reason I press on to make it my own is because Jesus made me his own. Beloved, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but this one thing I do, forgetting what lies behind and straining forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the heavenly call of God in Christ Jesus. The question then is this. Are you moving in the direction of the goal? Are you running toward Jesus or away from him? Some of you this morning might feel like you're a million miles away from Jesus. I do. (laughs) If I'm honest, I do. The gut check is not your emotions, though, or your emotional state. But rather, are you pointed in his direction? Do you have your eye on the prize, on the goal, the heavenly call? It's not about being the world's fastest human being. It doesn't matter if you're Usain Bolt. There's only one slot for the fastest. This doesn't make everyone else a slacker. Men and women compete at a different pace. Age groups compete at a different pace. Long distance and short distance runners compete at a different pace. The question is not the overall level of your ability, but more accurately within the ability God has given you. Are you coasting or are you just getting by Or are you running to win? I know with my oldest son, he's run track. and He's pretty fast, but he's not the fastest guy on our track team or even in our district. And so how do you win? He beats his own PR, and that's a win. What's your PR, son? You can't beat someone else's. What's yours? And that's what he tries to break. 
If that's you, then I want, to, I want you to pray and repent with thanksgiving in your heart that you can see Jesus and you can see the prize of his calling. And I want you to rest in the power, the grace. That's what grace is. It's his power that God's given you. That justifying grace is saving you and guiding you towards Jesus. But for others of you this morning, you have been incredibly close to Jesus, but you've turned and you're running away from the finish line. It's counterproductive. You're no longer focused on the goalpost or the milestone ahead. You may have become distracted by the worries of the world and the lust of the flesh and the eyes and the pride of life. 1 John 2.16. And you're actually worse off than those who are further away from Jesus but are actually moving Toward him. And if that's you, then I want you to pray. And I want you to repent. And I encourage you to return to your first love and to turn your gaze back toward Jesus. I encourage you to start running again and to press on toward that mark. Let's pray. Father, I pray, Lord, for the congregation here at First United Methodist Church. I pray, Father, for those, Lord, that have run the race, but, Lord, not run it to win and are just coasting. And I pray, Father, that they would turn up the heat, Lord, that you would turn up the heat in their life. But, Lord, I also pray, Father, for those that have done well, Lord, and have run hard. Or, Lord, have either ceased to run or have turned around and are walking the other direction. And this morning, Father, we, we just place that image of Jesus in our mind, Lord, and we, we run our race toward you, Jesus. Right now, I just want you to use your holy imagination. I want you to picture Jesus at the goal. I want you to picture yourself pursuing him. He is encouraging you to run toward him. And this morning, I don't want you to focus on your past failures. I don't want you to worry about what other people are doing. I don't want you to worry about how fast all the runners, all the other runners are going or how slow all of them are. But I want you to focus on the goal. I want you to focus on Jesus this morning. Some of you may, have to, you may be walking because you're injured. Focus. Focus on Jesus. Turn toward him. Return to him this morning. Lord, we love you and we thank you, God. We thank you for your sanctifying grace, Lord. We thank you that you love us and you loved us before we ever loved you. You loved first. Help us continue to run. Help us continue to press forward. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.